Dennis Johnson was excited, yet very nervous. Several years earlier, he became the first person in his family to receive a college degree. And now he was only one step away from receiving his doctorate in education. That final step was the defense of his dissertation. Like so many other things these days, Johnson's dissertation defense was held over a Zoom meeting. With around 40 people watching, his presentation began easily enough. However, Johnson and the others in the audience were shocked when one guest took control of the screen and began drawing obscene images and racial slurs. Johnson has told his story publicly in the hopes that he can encourage change in Zoom and other similar remote meeting tools. And Zoom has already made some changes to improve security and prevent this from happening. A link to one account of Johnson's story will be in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash episode 9 if you'd like to read it. Johnson's experience is part of a larger trend that has been nicknamed Zoom bombing. A person finds an unprotected Zoom meeting and joins it. Depending on the meeting settings, a person could then display obscene or hateful imagery in place of their image or take control of the screen share to display it prominently. But even if the settings kept a Zoom bomber from taking control of the meeting, an open meeting could allow a person to join the meeting and lurk quietly, spying on information that should be kept private. While this could be an issue for most meetings, eavesdropping could be a major concern in industries that have strong privacy regulations, such as education or healthcare. As classrooms and doctor's offices have been forced to move online, Maintaining privacy in these industries is essential. The privacy and security issues that have plagued Zoom have made headlines, but without the proper settings, an online meeting on any site requires knowing how to properly protect the meeting and its content. So with that in mind, on today's episode, we will discuss the topic, Eight Steps to Protect Your Online Meetings. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. Regardless of the software you're using for your meetings, you need to make sure that the private data you discuss during the meeting remains private. While the security and privacy issues of Zoom have made headlines around the world recently, a compromised meeting is possible with any software. There are many options available for meetings, including Zoom, WebEx, which is made by Cisco, Skype, which is made by Microsoft, Google Hangouts, or Google Meet. So with that in mind today, I want to share eight tips for protecting your online meetings. First, you need to protect your meeting with a password. Much of the Zoom bombing that has occurred has taken place because the meetings were not password protected. On Zoom, meetings are given an ID that is between 9 and 11 digits long. These meeting IDs distinguish your meeting from every other meeting happening on Zoom. However, the limited range of meeting IDs permits people to use automated software to go through all of the possible meetings in a short amount of time. They'll test those meetings to see if it allows you to join immediately or if it requires a password. 
If a meeting doesn't require a password, the person can then join the meeting to spy on the content or to disrupt the meeting with rude or obscene activity. Cisco's WebEx software uses a similar system for joining meetings through the WebEx application. You enter a meeting ID and a password, or you join using a link. However, unlike Zoom, WebEx does mask the meeting ID in the link. Skype is another option that allows you to host meetings. You can even host a Skype meeting without needing to set up an account at all. All you have to do is go to Skype's website and ask for a meeting link. You can distribute that link to all of your participants. Google doesn't allow for links, but you can control who is allowed in meetings using Google accounts. The Zoom bombing trend became popular because so few people were using passwords to protect their meetings. To be clear, unprotected meetings were ultimately the fault of the users who set them up. Even the free plans had always had the ability to password protect meetings. However, in my opinion, Zoom did hold some responsibility for the problem. Why? Zoom's settings defaulted to open meetings rather than password protected ones. Most people assume that the default settings are good enough, so they didn't think about the potential implications of holding a meeting without requiring a password. Fortunately, Zoom has now changed the defaults so that a password is now the default option. You do still have the ability to hold a meeting that is not password protected, and there are a few limited circumstances where you may want to remove the password, provided that you take some additional steps to ensure that those attending the meeting can't take it over. Now you might be wondering how to tell if a meeting you've been invited to is password protected. On WebEx, a password is required for almost all meetings, so if you have a WebEx link, it's likely already set up with a password. Unfortunately, Skype and Google do not offer the ability to password protect meetings directly, but they do have additional ways to control who is permitted in the meetings based on a person's Microsoft or Google account. For a Zoom meeting, you can obviously tell if it's password protected if you've been given a meeting ID and a password. If you only see a meeting ID, that probably means the meeting is not password protected. However, if you've just been given a link to the meeting, you can tell by looking for question mark PWD equals in the link. That part that follows is not the actual password for the meeting, but it's a sequence that is generated based on the password that was created. If you see that in the link, you can know that the meeting is protected with a password. If you have a link with a password included in it, you won't be required to enter the meeting's password when you join. The assumption is that if you have the link, you're permitted to join the meeting. So that brings us to tip number two, protecting your meeting link. Unless you're setting up a public meeting that you don't mind anybody joining, there's no reason to broadcast your meeting link publicly. Only share the meeting link with those who should actually be joining the meeting. If you must put the meeting link on social media, put it in a closed group that only consists of those who are invited to the meeting. Don't put it out in an open group or on your personal social media pages. Broadcasting the link gives anyone who sees it the opportunity to attend the meeting. And since you don't need to enter the password if it's built into the meeting link, a password won't help you if the link is publicly available. If someone does get your meeting link, 
you'll want another way to keep them out. That brings us to tip number three. Zoom offers a method to filter those who join, called a waiting room. If you have enabled the waiting room for your meeting, which is something that I definitely recommend, those who attempt to join the meeting will not be able to get in immediately. Instead, they'll be directed to a waiting room. The host of the meeting can see a list of those who are in the waiting room and can decide whether or not to admit them to the meeting. If you see someone with a pseudonym or a name that you don't recognize, you can leave the person in the waiting room until you find out who they actually are. If you have to kick someone out of your meeting, enabling the waiting room can also help you keep that person from rejoining the meeting using a different name and account. Now obviously you won't be able to know for certain that the person is the same one, but if you kick someone out halfway through the meeting and then someone attempts to join that same meeting just a few minutes later, you probably have a reason to be very suspicious about that person. Unfortunately, WebEx doesn't have a true waiting room feature. However, when you lock a meeting, a similar feature will be enabled that will notify you if someone is waiting to join. You can then make a decision whether to unlock the meeting and permit the person in, or to keep the meeting locked, obviously keeping them out. Skype also has this feature built into its business accounts. It calls it the lobby instead of the waiting room, but it's essentially the same thing. However, Skype also has much more robust options in its business accounts that allow you to designate people who can skip the lobby and go straight to the meeting. So these three settings, protecting your meeting with a password, controlling the distribution of your link, and when possible, enabling the waiting room, will go a long way towards keeping unwanted people out of your meetings. However, there are a few additional ways to give your meetings even greater security. Tip number four is to lock your meetings. As I mentioned a few moments ago when talking about the waiting room in WebEx, locking a meeting keeps people from being able to join it. Zoom and WebEx both offer the ability to lock a meeting to keep others out. This can be especially useful if you have a small group of people that are supposed to be attending the meeting. Once you know that everyone who is supposed to be in the meeting has joined, you can lock the meeting to keep everyone else out. However, do make sure that everyone who is supposed to be in the meeting has actually joined. You don't want to accidentally lock out your boss or your company's CEO because you forgot about them. Tip number five is to disable features that won't be needed. For example, if no one is going to need to share their screen in the meeting, then disable the screen sharing feature or make it only available to yourself as the host. This can prevent someone from being allowed to share their screen and using that permission to disrupt the meeting. There have been meetings where people have used screen sharing to take over a meeting and show images and videos that were absolutely not safe for work. If you don't think that private chat or even the public chat will be needed, then disable that too. The private chat feature is one that has been often abused by those wishing to cause problems in meetings. When everything is locked down in the meeting itself, abusive messages or obscene images can be sent to others through the private chat, and anyone who didn't receive a message won't know what has happened. File transfers are another feature you may want to disable. The file transfer feature can be used to share relevant files, but it could also be used by attackers to spread pornographic videos or even send ransomware to participants. 
If you don't think that you'll have any reason to share files during the meeting, then turn off file sharing. And the final thing you may want to turn off is the audio of your meeting attendees. That doesn't mean that the audio will be off permanently, though you can do that if you're having a more lecture-type meeting. But you can mute your participants when they enter and make them unmute themselves in order to be able to speak. You may have been a part of a meeting where someone joins the meeting late while in a loud environment, and suddenly the speaker's voice is almost completely drowned out by the background noise of that late participant. Or maybe a person joins the meeting, and suddenly everyone else is listening to the noise of him typing on his keyboard while you're waiting for the last few people to arrive. Muting everyone when they enter will help prevent these disruptions from occurring. Tip number six is to avoid using your personal meeting room whenever possible. Both Zoom and WebEx assign you a personal meeting room that you can send to others to start a meeting quickly. While it is convenient, it's also an easy way for your meeting to get compromised. Meetings that are started using your personal ID are usually started quickly and without setting a password or making the changes needed to improve your security. If you take a few extra minutes to create a unique ID, you can save yourself some headaches in the future. Now tip number seven should need no explanation to those who have been regular listeners of the show. To keep your meeting safe, you need to protect your account. Someone with access to your account will be able to find the pertinent information about meetings and can obtain or bypass many of the security features discussed here. If you want more information on how to protect your account, I did a three-episode series on this topic just last month. See episodes 6, 7, and 8 for more information. Links to these episodes will be available on the show notes page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com episode 9. And finally, tip number 8 is to watch out for fake apps. Dennis Paranov, a security researcher for Kaspersky, discovered a number of malicious apps masquerading as legitimate remote meeting apps. Criminals have been creating these apps in the hopes that people will find and download their apps instead of the legitimate iOS or Android app. Obviously, once these apps are on your phone, they can monitor your data and steal whatever they want from your device. That's why it's so important to be careful what apps you install. What seems to be a harmless app for work or even for fun could compromise your privacy or your security. They could also use these apps to steal your login credentials and then use it to compromise your remote meeting account, whether it's on Zoom, WebEx, or some other tool. As a final note, I've mentioned a few times that occasionally you may want to hold a public meeting that you wouldn't want to password protect. One common example is the use of Zoom or WebEx to host a sales webinar. You want to be able to send out that link and have as many potential customers as possible join with few difficulties. If you do host a meeting like this, then take some steps to make sure that those attending only have the right to watch the meeting. Don't allow them to display their screen, take over screen sharing, or even ask questions by audio. You never know what someone might decide to ask or play on your broadcast if you open it up. Don't allow them to privately message other group members, and don't show messages sent to anyone other than you. So how can you protect your remote meetings? First, use a password for your meeting, no matter what type of data you're discussing. Second, don't distribute the link where people not invited to the meeting can see it. 
Third, use the waiting room feature to screen people before they join. Fourth, lock your meetings once everyone has joined. Fifth, disable features for attendees that they won't need during the meeting. Sixth, use a unique meeting ID for each meeting that you host. Don't use your personal meeting room ID unless you can't avoid it. Seventh, protect your account so people can't get details about your upcoming meetings or sign in pretending to be you. And eighth, watch out for fake apps that are trying to steal your data. So that does it for today's show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us back here next week when we will discuss how to protect your devices from ransomware. Until then, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. For more information on today's topic and a transcription of this episode, check out the show notes page, which is linked in the description. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you would subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, we would also appreciate it if you could take the time to rate and review the show. It really does help us get noticed. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Please do not take any action on your computer, phone, or other device unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.